Today we continue in the series that I'm calling With Us, and we're thinking especially about the fact that Jesus was among us with a physical human body. Last week we opened thinking about this truth that's at the core of our faith, that Jesus was both fully God and fully human. And now we're taking some passages that point to the fact that he actually was physical among us, living like a human being. And certainly part of the human life is emotion. Now, emotions can get the best of us, can't they? I remember when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house, which I love, and my grandfather and I watched a lot of TV because he didn't do a whole lot, and we just hung out watching TV, which was fine with me. But what bothered me was when some sappy TV commercial or like a sitcom with a happy ending came on, like I would look over and he would be literally shaking with tears because it would affect him so much. And I'd be so uncomfortable because this grown man was crying over this stupid commercial. And now that I've gotten a little age on me, I find myself crying over the same kind of stupid commercials and TV shows that he did. In fact, last week, last Saturday, I was mowing, trying to get some leaves up. And when I mow, I usually listen to a podcast or something just to keep my mind going and maybe learn something. And it was the last episode of this podcast. And the host was thanking everybody on the staff and naming each one individually and really praising what they did to, to bring excellence to the podcast. And before I knew it, at her words, like tears were running down my face. So if you saw me last week in the front yard mowing, and I was crying, it's fine, and I'm fine, and everything's fine, okay? It's all good. Our emotions are powerful. They really are. I mean, we can't ever get away from them. They're always with us. We are always feeling emotion. And the, the thing is, because they're so powerful, there are times we just can't trust our emotions. I mean, so there are times when, when something gets so big, like there's something bad that's happened or there's something in front of us that we know is going to happen, and it's so big that it overtakes us. And we might even think, I can't recover from this. I can't get through this. I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't know how to walk through it. I don't have anybody to depend on. I don't know if I can make it. But then maybe the next morning or a couple days later, we get a little perspective, we, we get control of that emotion, and then suddenly we think, I can get through this, I can walk through this. It's not as bad as I thought it was. And sometimes emotion can sort of make us minimize danger or potential problems because there's something we want, we desire so much out there that we forget just how dangerous the path is to that thing that we want. Emotions are powerful. But what about when the Son of God took on a physical body? Did he feel the same kind of emotions that we do? Was it so powerful in him that he just didn't know what to do at times, that he reacted? What about Jesus and emotion? To get out of that today, I'd like us to turn to a passage that's very familiar. We already sung about it, as Jerry said. It's in John chapter 11. In this chapter, we have Jesus performing the seventh of the seven signs that we have in John. There are seven things that Jesus does that are miraculous that John uses to point us to the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. And they seem to be an increasing power and difficulty, although I couldn't do any of them. So the first one is turn water to wine. By the time we get to the sixth of them, Jesus is restoring sight to a man who's blind. 
And then we come to the seventh, the last of them that I want us to look at today. And it begins in the town of Bethany, not that far from Jerusalem. The home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, siblings who were all very close friends of Jesus. Actually, the story begins about two days' journey from there because Jesus is preaching and teaching and, and suddenly someone shows up from Bethany, from Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and says to Jesus, Lazarus is sick. He needs help. And Jesus says, okay. And he stays right where he is for two days and continues doing what he's been doing for two days. And then finally he says, Lazarus is dead. We're going to Bethany. Jesus' disciples say, now, Jesus, hang on. Last time we were in that area, things got a little dicey. And there are people who oppose you there. Are you sure this is a wise move? And Jesus said, we're going to Bethany. And so Jesus traveled two days. Now remember, it's been two days since uh, from the time he heard about Lazarus until he left. And then it's two more days to get back. And by the time Jesus arrives at Bethany, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is buried. And he's been in the tomb. And when news spreads into Bethany that Jesus is on his way, Lazarus' sister Martha comes out to meet Jesus. And she has these words that have become pretty well known in John chapter 11, verse 21, where she says this, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, if you had just, like if you just shown up, I mean, we sent somebody for you. If you had just come, Lazarus wouldn't be dead because I know you can do stuff, right? Give sight to the blind, heal people, feed people with a little bit of food and, and thousands are fed. Jesus, you can do stuff and you didn't do it. Jesus says, Martha, Lazarus is going to rise from the dead. And I can almost see Martha sort of rolling her eyes. Yeah, I, I mean, I know Jesus. I've stood at graves with people talking about resurrection, and, and I know that's going to happen sometime. I know that's going to happen in the end, but, but Lazarus is dead. It's too late for now. We have that, and then Jesus interchange a little bit, and and then Mary comes out, and she has the same question for Jesus, same challenge. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then we pick up again. John chapter 21, verse 33. This is what we read. When Jesus saw her, that's Mary, weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, we've got to set that up a little bit. Here's Jesus, still not even into town. Martha's come. If you'd been here, Mary's come. If you'd been here, people weeping, and the word there for weeping is more like wailing. Okay, they're mourning loudly over the death of Lazarus. People have come from Jerusalem, which is not far away. Do just what we do today. You go visit people when someone that you love has passed. You comfort their family. That's what people had come to do. So there's a crowd of people there. And they're all wailing over Lazarus' death. And then John tells us there, 
Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Now, the words that we translate deeply moved, it's really just one word in the original Greek, the word that John used. And it's a really difficult word to challenge, primarily because it hardly ever shows up in the Bible or really much in other literature. So we don't know exactly how to translate that word into English. Now, a lot of the translations do something like this about strong emotion. But at its core, the word means to snort like a horse. I'm not going to do that for you, okay? Or to snort in anger. So, so at the, the very basic meaning of the word is anger. So maybe we should translate it that he was very angry in spirit and troubled. Well, we might say, well, what, what was there for Jesus to be angry about here? Well, it's hard to tell. Maybe it's that Mary and Martha, they both challenged him on why he did what he did or why he didn't do what he should have done. Is he angry about that? Is he angry because they think that he could have healed Lazarus, but now that Lazarus is dead, they don't think he can do anything about that? Is he angry about that? Is he just angry at death itself? I think, well, that would be strange, but think about it. I mean, have you ever been angry at cancer? Have you ever been angry at dementia? A lot of us have because they've robbed us of someone that we love or they've robbed someone we love of their dignity, of their lives. We get angry about stuff like that. Was Jesus angry about the evil that causes death? Maybe one of those things, maybe several of them, we don't know. And maybe it's not anger. I mean, this, this does sort of talk about just really strong emotion. So that's a fair translation too. So Jesus is just upset. But here's what I know from that verse. Whatever the emotion is, even if it's a little hard for us to identify because we can't read Jesus' mind, John is telling us Jesus felt very strong human emotion in this moment. The kind of emotions that we feel. And it was tough. Because then Jesus says, where have you buried him? And they say, well, we'll show you. And then we come to the number one all-time memory verse in the Bible, right? When I was a kid, you went to Sunday school. If you memorized a verse, then you'd get a piece of Wrigley Spearmint gum or something. And the go-to verse was always John eleven thirty-five, right? Why? Here it is. Jesus wept. Pretty easy, right? But it's also pretty important. First, we should note that the word is not the same word for weep that the crowd has that John uses there. They're wailing. This is like silent, very soft, tears running down your face, that kind of weeping. So why is Jesus weeping? Again, it'd be great if John had given us just a little more Maybe Jesus is weeping because Mary and Martha are so upset and those are his friends. Maybe Jesus is weeping because even though he knows what's about to happen, his friend has died. And I think it's a natural human reaction when we are confronted with death to feel sadness and loss. We sense that. Maybe it's because that death exists at all, because it's part of the human experience that's a result of our sin. But what we do know is that Jesus wept. 
And then they began to go to the tomb. Well, before we get there, what we do know is that the, the people around Jesus interpret it this way in verse 36. Jesus, see, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. So what they see is Jesus' deep love for Lazarus and his loss because of Lazarus' death. They get to the tomb. Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across its entrance. And, and those words, deeply moved, that's the same word that was used back in verse 33. Snort like a horse, snort in anger, deeply moved. I don't know exactly how to translate that, but I know Jesus is still feeling very strong emotion as he comes to this tomb. And then Jesus says, roll away the stone. And Martha says, mm, don't think we ought to do that, Jesus. He's been in there a while. It's going to stink. And Jesus says, roll the stone away. And then he gives a command that Lazarus, I think, was unable to disobey. Lazarus, come out. And you know what happens next. That's exactly what he does. Lazarus is raised from the dead. He's been in the tomb four days, okay? It's not just resuscitation. Lazarus is alive again. It's a miracle. Now, I've preached on this passage before. I've preached on it here, I think, a couple times. And most of the time when we look at this passage and preachers talk about what's going on here in John chapter 11, what strikes us is that this is the power of Jesus at work. This is the seventh of those signs. This is the ultimate. Jesus has raised someone from the dead. And what does this say? The power of God is at work in Jesus. This is God's Son at work on the face of the earth. And so it points to power. It points to Jesus' identity, and it does. Or sometimes we'll use this to prepare for Easter, right? Because it's all about resurrection. Well, it points to resurrection. That's right. It's not long till Jesus will be the one rolling his own stone away, and there he is alive. But that's not what I see today. In this series, as we think about Jesus being with us, what strikes me in this story is Jesus' emotion that Jesus felt the same emotions that we feel. Now, that's not to say that Jesus has experienced everything that we've experienced, right? Jesus didn't live to old age. He didn't know what that was like. Jesus was a man, not a woman. So he had different experiences, different emotions. Jesus was never married. He didn't have that emotional experience, never a father, didn't have that emotional experience. So it's not that Jesus had all the same experiences that every other human has had, but it's that he had the same range of emotion that we have. Jesus felt things strongly. His emotion affected him just like our emotions affect us. And they are really, really powerful. They are part of what it means to be human. In fact, emotions are part of the reason that life is worth living, because we feel something, because the joy that we feel about our families or our accomplishments or something great that happens in life. I mean, we feel stuff every single day, many times a day. Think about your day yesterday. Maybe it's just a pretty normal day that 10 years from now, you won't really remember anything that happened on that day. But if you look back on it right now, 
you can probably remember something that was surprising that was maybe good. Or maybe something bad that happened that it's going to be a pain for a while because you're going to deal with the, the aftermath of it all. There was something maybe that made you feel loss or surprise, joy, happiness, sadness, grief. There's probably a lot of emotions in that one day. We feel stuff every day, all day long. So what about those emotions? If Jesus experienced it too, part of what this tells me is that Jesus validates our emotional experience and that emotions are part of the human experience. It's just part of who we are. And if Jesus was going to become a human being physically, it's not just that he had hands, he also had the emotions that come along with this physical body. Jesus experienced that too. And it says, you know, it's just, it's part of life. And so we can never fully get away from our emotions. We can't really deny them. It's, it's not really helpful for someone to say, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, maybe I don't want to feel that way, and the more I try not to feel that way, it keeps coming back. Our emotions are part of our human experience. We can't avoid them. But here's the other part of the lesson that Jesus teaches us. Don't allow your emotions to lead you to sin. Jesus didn't. And maybe that's where he's set apart from us. When Jesus did not allow his strong emotions to lead him to sin. Jesus felt lots of emotions. This story is just one that shows that he was emotional. We see him frustrated. We see him angry. We see him feeling compassion. We see him feeling love. All those things were present in Jesus' life. But none of those things did he allow to lead him to sin. And we might say, well, yeah, but he was the Son of God, right? Well, he was the Son of God. And we are not going to be just like Jesus in that. But here's what I know. The same Spirit, the Spirit of God, that was at work in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that same Spirit is at work in you. And even though sometimes it is hard to deal with our emotions, that same spirit that helped Jesus can help you. And it can help you avoid the sin that can become part of our emotion. Now, it's easy. When we really feel emotions strong, it's, it's easy for that to get away from us. And it's easy to say stuff and do stuff that we wish we could take back later on. We've all done it. But the Spirit of God can help us overcome that. Maybe the feelings don't go away, but our ability to control them, or at least to control ourselves from sinning, is part of the Spirit of God at work in us. But if that's going to happen, then we need to ask for that help. We need to acknowledge the reality of the Spirit at work in us. Sometimes we don't do that, but we need to. And we need to pray that God's Spirit would be present. You know, as I think about this passage, and think about this lesson that that Jesus felt what we feel. I'm led to the cross. And we're going to talk more about that next week, as a matter of fact. But it just makes me think, what kind of emotion did Jesus feel on the cross? You know, there he is. He's gone the whole night without sleep. And I don't know about you, but when I don't sleep, my emotions are not as easy to control as when I do. He's been beaten 
been beaten with whips, beaten around the head. He's been nailed to the cross, left to die. And yet people still spit on him, reviled him, tried to humiliate him. And he has the power of God at his disposal. It would have been really easy to come down on that cross and strike back at those who were trying to kill him. But apparently the power of God's love at work in him was stronger than all that. God's love for me and for you who needed him to stay on the cross, to endure all that, so that he could offer us forgiveness and eternal life. Let's pray together. God, our emotions are very powerful. And sometimes they're really hard for us to control. And it's hard for us to control the the actions that are a result of those emotions. But God, we pray that you'll help us in that. That your spirit would be at work, just like the same spirit was at work in Jesus. That even when we feel things very strongly, we'll make good decisions. We'll do what's right in your sight. Though I prayed in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and continue to worship.